I want to share with you an illustration this morning. And uh, you have to use your imaginations a little bit, church, all right? So I have... I have this rope and uh, it goes outside this door. It really doesn't. It actually gets, <laughs> thank you, D. Appreciate that. All right. So it doesn't go out the door, but let's pretend for a minute that it did. Okay. So there's a door on, on this, on stage right. And let's just say it goes out the door and it goes down 37th street and it goes out of town, gets on 84, jumps on I-20, gets down to, to, to the Dallas Metroplex area, jumps on I-35 heads north, goes all the way up to Duluth, Minnesota, into the great white north. Now it's, it's gone through our northern neighbor. It's going through Canada, up through the North Pole. It's a really, really long rope. And then it comes back down. And it comes all the way back around the other side of the globe, back through Brazil, Bolivia, back through Central America, comes back to Snyder, and then it circles the globe, let's just say 78 times. And then at some point it actually leaves our earth, and it goes through the atmosphere, through the stratosphere, through our solar system, past our nine planets. There were nine. Pluto is still a planet, in my opinion. <laughs> leaves our solar system, leaves our Milky Way galaxy, passes hundreds of billions of other galaxies. In fact, the Hubble telescope, the most powerful telescope on earth today, can't even see the end of this rope because it's so far out there. It never ends. Starts right here, but it never ends. Can you, you got that picture in your head? So you have this rope that goes on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And yet our lives, our lives are this little blue piece of tape. We have this life that had a starting point, but you know it doesn't have an end point. And that's hard for our minds to grasp. It's hard for us. <laughs> you know, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts. It's hard for me to understand that, but we're going to live forever. But this little blue piece of tape is our lives on earth. James says that life is a vapor that dissipates in moments. Paul says that time is actually contracted. He uses this word of like contracted, like there's a start date and an end date and that end date is coming quicker than many of us want it to. And my question is, are you living for the blue piece of tape or are you living for the longer piece? This morning, I love to get us thinking about living for the longer piece. You see, my greatest responsibility as a pastor is not to preach good sermons. It's not to uh, uh, counsel your marriages back to health. It's not to uh, visit the sick in the hospital. Those are all good things. But my primary responsibility as a pastor is to help get you prepared for eternity. Because there's a day coming in the Bible. There's a day. There's a capital D day. Sometimes in Scripture, the day is capitalized. And the capital D day, that's not just any day. It's the day. What day, read? It's the day when you're going to going to stand face to face with God. It's going to happen. Jesus is coming back, everybody. The Christian faith believes in what we call the second coming of Christ. Jesus came to earth once. He died on a cross for your sins. He was buried. He rose out of the grave. He appeared to hundreds and hundreds of people just to show and prove this isn't some folk, uh, hoax. This is, has happened. I'm back. I'm real. I'm not an apparition. I'm not a ghost. It's me. I'm back. Feel my hands. Feel my scars. And then he went back to heaven to be enthroned on an everlasting throne. And it's where he should be. 
And he left this earth. He ascended from the Mount of Olives. And the Bible says he's going to return to that exact same spot. And here's the theology you need to know in about 10 seconds. When he comes back, whatever you've decided about Jesus up until that point, it's kind of too late after that. Like when Jesus comes back, he could come back today. And I'm not trying to freak anybody out. I'm not trying to scare anybody today. That's not my heart. But, but when he comes back and he could come back today, like whatever you've decided about Jesus at that point, it's too late. Like you've made your decision. I'm just saying it can happen at any moment because we're the first generation in history that is living through the fulfillment of all of the signs. So in the Bible, there's about 40 to 50 biblical signs that point to the second coming of Christ. And we're the first generation in the history of humanity who are living in all of the signs. And that's primarily happening because of satellites in space, honestly. We don't even have geographic borders anymore. We, you know that we are completely capable of sharing this gospel anywhere and everywhere. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, and this gospel will be preached as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Then that day is gonna come and we right now have the capability to take this gospel as a testimony to every nation. And that's never happened in the history of humanity technologically until our generation. And again, I'm not trying to mess anybody up or freak anybody out. I'm just saying the day, the capital D day is coming. And even if you don't believe it's coming, that doesn't mean it's not going to come. It's still coming. And I want to get you prepared for that day. I want to show you a verse in Romans chapter 14. We're going to dive into this tonight. Uh, I'm so excited about our, our series that we're starting on Sunday nights called Great Areas. Some of you have those the biggest theological discussions, the biggest fights that happen in church are not uh, over Jesus or the cross. It's over like tattoos and, and just like, what does God have to say about that kind of stuff? So we're going to study that tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you'll come back at six. But in the middle of this conversation, Paul says this, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. He said, it is written, as surely as I love, uh, live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So in essence, what he's saying is you're going to stand before God and you're going to have to give an account of God of yourself. And what's God going to ask you in that moment? And what are the right answers to that question, those questions? So that's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you when you're face-to-face -face with God, what's he going to ask you? And what are the correct answers? Does that sound good, everybody? That's, a, that's, a, that's I might want to know. Anybody else want to know that? Okay, three people. The rest of you are dismissed. We'll see you next Saturday. No, come on. Is that something you want to know? Okay, all right. You say amen, I'll preach faster. We'll get out of here for lunch a little sooner. All right. Okay. When I, when I was... Uh, I got to tell you a story. When I was in college, I, was, I went to the University of Texas, and part of my major, I had to take a, like a science, and so I took the easiest science I could find. I took chemistry for non-majors, which sounded easy. I get in the class, I'm, this professor was really intelligent, and I'm not making this up. The very first, before he introduced himself or welcomed us to the class, the first words out of his mouth is he said, the C60 carbon atom, and then he just said a bunch of, I don't remember anything else after that, but I'm going, what are you talking about? Like, what is a C6? I know what carbon is. I didn't know there were supposed to be numbers in front of elements. I was very confused, and I'm looking around the class going, did I miss the first session? I'm very confused, and everybody's writing profusely. <laughs> 
I just started writing profusely. I get home. I need Rosetta Stone to be able to decipher my notes. I'm like, I don't know what any, I don't know what he's talking about. So I thought I'm going to come prepared. So I went and bought a tape recorder. I recorded everything that he said. And I'm listening to that. I'm playing it back. I'm like, it's gibberish. So then I, I hear a little, a little tool, a tip. They said, this guy doesn't make any sense. But if you'll go the night before the tests, there's three tests. If you go the night before the test, the teacher's assistants will come out and tell you everything that's going to be on the test. I didn't have anything to lose. I'm not understanding anything anyway. So I thought, I'll try. Because the drop period was after the first test. I said, we'll see if they're telling the truth or not. So I went the night before. And this is what the teacher's assistant said. <laughs> this is so funny. I came out and said, I know when he talks, he talks up here. We're going to put it down here on the bottom shelf. Question number one on the test. And they read the question. And they said, the answer to the question is, and I'm just like, you know, it was the most amazing. Question number two. They gave me the test. So I come in, I take the test, passed it. I made a hundred. I just put it in my short-term memory bank. Did that three times, made a 100 in the class. And then I called my mama and said, hey, I made a 100 and I never went to class. And she was a little upset, but she was okay that I got a 100. Um, it was easy. Not because I know chemistry, because I don't. But because I knew the, the questions that were gonna be asked, I knew the answers to those. So I wanna help you today, give you the questions you're gonna be asked and the greatest test you're ever gonna face when you're face-to-face -face with God and the answers to those questions. You excited about this? Okay. It reminds me of a story of um, Troy and Kenny, no relation to our Troy and Kenny, but Troy and Kenny were applying for a job and, uh, <laughs> and the employer was impressed with both of their resumes and said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a test. You take the same test, whoever scores the highest amount gets the job. They thought that was a pretty fair way of deciding who gets the job. So they took the test. The employer comes back out and he said, well, Troy, Kenny, you got the same amount right on the test. We're going to give the job to Troy. And Kenny got a little offended. He's like, what are you talking about? You said whoever got the most answers right gets the job. We got the same amount. How come he gets the job and I don't? And the employer looked at Kenny and he said, well, because on question number 17, Troy put, I don't know. And Kenny, you put me neither. So we're going to give the job <laughs> to Troy. All right. So I'm going to tell you the questions. I'm going to tell you the answers. All right, here we go. The first part, the first part is what the Bible calls the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. You can read about it in the book of Revelation, but the great white throne judgment is for everybody. Everybody has to be in front of God in this moment. In Revelation, it says this book is going to be open. It's not this book. It's a different book. It's the Lamb's book of life. And when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, your name is actually written in this Lamb's book of life. And it goes on to say, whoever's name is found written in the Lamb's book of life, is welcomed into heaven. And if your name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life, well, you pay for your own sins. And by the way, hell is not a place that God sends people that he's mad at. Hell is a place where you pay for your own sins. Sin has to be paid for. Yesterday I was having uh, brunch with a buddy of mine and it was a blessing. Amen, Josh. And, and we, we were at this restaurant and uh, there were several people that I knew that were in the restaurant. Now I get a text from my friend Landry Mathis. And Landry had come in, he got some, a to-go order, and he sent me a text and he says, hey, breakfast is on me. Have a great day. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Y'all give Landry some business. If your air conditioner goes out, you go see him because he blessed your pastor. Uh, but that blessed me. Now I can have two responses in that moment. I can have two responses. I can say, no, 
I ordered the food, I ate the food, I'm gonna pay for the food, or I can send him that text back and say, wow, man, thank you, what a blessing, right? Your sins have been paid for. They've been paid for. God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to earth to die on a cross for your sins because the wages or the penalty of sin is death. That's what Romans 3 tells us. And so instead of making you pay that price, he paid the price. So you can either say, no, I sinned. I thought the thought, I said the thing, I'm gonna pay for it. That's silly. Or you can say, wow, thank you. What a blessing. What a blessing. So in that moment, in that moment, the question is, are you gonna pay for your sins or are you gonna let Jesus pay for them? And here's how the account of God with God's gonna go. It's gonna go something like this. He will say something like, you've sinned and the penalty of sin is death and I love you so much that I sent myself, my son, robed in flesh to earth and he lived a perfect life and it wasn't because it was easy. It was incredibly difficult. He was tempted in every way. You're tempted, Reed. He just never sinned. And I sent him, I love you so much. I sent him at a time where capital punishment was at its very worst. He was nailed to a cross with spikes through his hands and his feet. And he did that. He paid that price so you wouldn't have to. What did you do with that information? That's the first question. Jesus died for you. What did you do with that while you were on earth? Let me tell you what some of the wrong answers in that moment are. Okay, because I think it's helpful to know some of the wrong answers and not just the right answers. Some of the wrong answers in that moment would be, I went to Colonial Hill. Hey, we're glad you're here. Wrong answer in that moment. Well, I read this book. I got this book and it talks a little bit about Jesus and time and again, I'd read it. Great thing. Not the right answer. Here's another wrong answer. This one might actually surprise you. It's saying, I believed in Jesus. It's a wrong answer. I believe in Jesus. Well, the devil believes in Jesus. And last time I checked, he got kicked out of heaven. He ain't going back. So if, if so, again, this is helpful. I, I, I don't want you to go there. That was my plan. I was going to get there and say, I believe in you. And then he's going to say, sorry. Even the demons believe in God and shudder. The right answer is something along the lines of, I loved him. I had a relationship with him. He was my friend. I surrendered my life for him. Something along those lines. The best picture of the Bible, uh, of that in the Bible is the picture of marriage. Like I stopped dating all the other women to give my life to JC. And the idea is I stopped dating the world to give my life to Jesus. Right, that's the best picture. We, I want to show you this in scripture because when I saw this, it was really a turning point in my faith when I discovered this idea that we see in the Bible. So I was raised in this church uh, at nine years old right here on this front pew. Glenn McCatherine led me to Jesus at Vacation Bible School. But if I'm honest, I really didn't understand everything that was happening. I just didn't want to go to hell. <laughs> it's like, hell, heaven? I want to go to heaven, right? That sounds better. I don't want to burn. So, uh, so I gave my life, I made him my savior. But it was nine years later, sorry, seven years later, 16 years old. And I went to a walk to Emmaus uh, for teenagers. It's called the Chrysalis. And I went with my two best friends and it was a revolutionary weekend for the three of us. 
And simultaneously, as I'm at this event and experiencing God in a way I'd not yet experienced him, I uh, was reading the Bible and I came across a very scary passage, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, which says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then he says, this is Jesus speaking, many will say to me on that day, that day, the capital D day, we're talking about, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out, uh, uh, perform any miracles and in your name drive out demons? Did we not do those things? And you would think those people would be Christians. And he says, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoer. This sounds like somebody who's doing some things right. And he goes, but I never knew you. And the word knew there in the Greek is the word gnosko, which literally means this intimacy or this closeness. Like, I, I want to know you. I want to like know you, not know about me. I want you to know me. I want to know you. And so he says, if you don't know Jesus, you don't get to go to heaven. And so that implies the avert, reverse is true. If you do know Jesus, you do get to go to heaven. And so part of that, when that question is asked upon you, your answer is, I, I love you. I surrender my life to you. You are my friend. I had a relationship with Jesus. That's the answer to that question. If you're like I was, you probably think coming to church counts. And by the way, this is very important. I don't want to discredit church, but you don't come to church to get to heaven. You come to church because you're going to heaven. Amen, anybody? Like that's why we come to church. But we're not saved by any work. So you can't, like earlier, you can't give your way into heaven. You can't serve your way into heaven. You can't read this book enough times your way into heaven. You can't get dunked in that tank enough times to get into heaven. There's no work. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's the free gift of God, not by works. Not by works so no one can boast. So it's not about a work. It's not about anything that I do that gets me into heaven. Okay, so I want to make sure we're all on the same page because that's a pretty big question. When God asks you that question, I don't want you to say, well, I did all of these things. I went to camp. I read the Bible. I prayed great things. I want to be in a relationship with you. That's the answer to that question. Are you tracking with me? Anybody okay? Okay, three of you. Fantastic. There's nothing you can do. But if you're like I was, you say, well, if there's a why does the Bible have a whole lot of stuff in there about how to live life? Right? Anybody with me? Like that's like the Bible has a lot about how I'm supposed to live life. So if it's not about how I what I do, then why does the Bible say so much about what to do? Because there's a second question. But you never get that question if you don't get the first question right. You never get that question. So we got to get the first question right. Sorry. Before we get to the second question, I want to make sure that we're all together. There should be something going on internally, not just externally. What's going on on the inside of you? Just trying to help you. I love you, and I want you to be a part of this party called heaven. Now, chances are most of us have already settled that. You're in love with God. And by the way, if you haven't, we encourage you today. You can settle that today. You can get the first question right today and just say, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. Put the ready, uh, wedding band of Christianity on your finger and saying, let's go, God, I belong to you and you'll be saved. You'll get the first question right. 
And you can leave this service with the assurance of salvation. You can be watching right now on Facebook Live and get the assurance of salvation today, right where you're watching. Hang with me. If you get the first question right, you get the second question. If you don't get the first question right, you'll never hear the second question. That's where it all ends for you, honestly. But the second question, if you want the theological side of it, it's called the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat. And you read about this in the New Testament. Uh, to get the first question right, it's all about what Jesus did for you. And to get the second question right, it's all about what you did for Jesus. Okay? On the judgment seat, God will say, now you're in heaven. Those works didn't get you here. I cannot emphasize that it's, it's not about what you do to get you there. It's all about what Jesus did for you. But then you're there, and now it's, it flips and says, okay, now what did you do for Jesus? So that stuff doesn't get you there, but once you're there, you get the first question right. Then it comes to what did you do for him? Jesus is really excited about rewarding you, everybody. He's really excited about this. He goes, hey, what'd you do for me? I want to reward you. I don't want to be rewarded. Too bad. He's going to reward you. He loves to do this. Let me show you a couple of verses. Revelation 22, 12. Nine verses later, the Bible ends. Like this is the very end of the Bible. Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. He goes, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to give to everybody what they've done. Again, what you do doesn't get you to heaven. But once you're in heaven, because you put your faith in Jesus and you surrender your life to him, now what you do gets rewarded eternally. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So he's going to say, read. I gave you the United States of America. 2019. You had technology, you had the world wide web at your fingertips. I gave you a beautiful wife and two beautiful boys. I gave you a truck. I gave you a pastorate of a great church. I gave you incredibly good looks. <laughs> Why are y'all laughing at that? <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you do with that? What'd you do with that? He's wanting to know in that moment... What did I do with what he gave me? Because he's blessed us, amen? He's blessed us and he wants to know. And, and, and then he's gonna start giving out rewards. And I really don't think it's gonna be one of those, I don't think there's gonna be jealousy or envy. I don't think we're gonna go, oh, look, she got, no, I think it's gonna be like the celebratory moment of like, come on, like we're just gonna all celebrate when everybody's being rewarded through the history of time and all these people, these legends that we've been taking laps with over the last six weeks are gonna come down and we're gonna all celebrate. Look, there's Moses, look, there's Abraham, look, there's Isaiah and there's Elijah. They're getting, they're getting rewarded and we're gonna all celebrate and you'll get to come down, you'll get rewarded. It's gonna be an awesome thing. Matthew 16, 27 says, for the son of man is gonna come in his father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Again, this idea of rewarding is all over this book. It's everywhere. You know what that means? The answer to the second question is, what did you do with your life? That's the answer to the second question. The answer to the first question is, I surrendered it to you. The second question is, what'd you do after that moment? And here's the mistake. If you live with the illusion that it's all about this, then that's all your life will ever amount to. But if you'll start living for the longer peace, I'm telling you, this will be amazing. 
But we get so locked into this little thing right here. I got to pay the bills. I got to do the thing. I got to take care of the kids, take them to softball. And those aren't bad things. I'm not saying you can't spend money on yourself. I'm just saying we got to leverage our lives for the longer peace and say, God, you gave me a truck, but it's not just to get me to and from work, but what could I do with that truck to advance the kingdom of God? Lord, you, you gave me this, this job, and I don't like this job. Not me, hopefully it's not you either, but you gave me, the, I don't even like this job, working nine to five in a cubicle, but it's a job. There's a lot of people that are unemployed, and I want to use this job. I don't want to just waste away the day and just doing paper. I want to leverage this for the longer piece. Make sure that everybody knows that I serve you. I'm going to start by taking every part of my life and leveraging it for the longer piece. Let me tell you a couple of ways to do that and we'll be done. Number one, I want you just to serve. Just serve. Get on the team. Now listen, if you just started coming to church here, you just come enjoy church. But if you've been coming for a while and you're not serving in some capacity, what are you waiting on? Get off the bench and get in the game. And I'm not talking about every week you're bound to this schedule. I'm just talking about once a month. If that's where you start, let's start. Let's start serving. Put me in, coach. Because I'm ready to leverage my life for the longer peace. I've heard people, I love you, in this church that have said, well, I've done my time. <sighs> They still got a little blue on you, okay? You're good. You still got time. Let's don't waste it. Like I have, I have all of this to rest. <laughs> I could be retired this way, right? Let, let's leverage our lives and say, God, what can I do for you? I want to serve you. I want to advance your kingdom. Right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And some of you are, 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 are like a gallbladder. Like you, we don't even need you right now. <laughs> Like, let's go. Let's go. Start serving. It's amazing, right? I'm sorry. That's not even in my notes. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble with that one. Um, listen, Colonial Hope Baptist Church is doing pretty good without you. But we'd be doing so much better with you. We would. And you'd be doing so much better with us. Get on the team. Start serving. Great start. Next Saturday, serve day. Say, you know what? I wasn't going to do it. I don't like giving up my Saturdays. I only get one of those a week, Read, Sign up. Serve four hours. I'm talking four hours. And watch. You will bless others, but you'll be ministered to more by getting out there and serving. Come to Next Steps. We had six in Next Steps this morning. And, and a lot of you have gone through. We've got 179 of you now through Next Steps. But some of you just need to come. We're going to tell you how you're wired. We're going to figure out your spiritual gifts. We're going to get you on a team. That's how you get on a team here at Colonial Hill. And listen, don't take this the wrong way, but, but we don't need you, but we want you. We want you. We want you. And God wants you. So if you live, love kids, jump in the kids' ministry. Uh, if you love babies, get on the nursery rotation. If you love welcoming people, be a greeter. Uh, if you like barking out orders, join the parking lot ministry. Uh, that's a new one we're starting. Hey, you are here, right? Whatever. Just tap the person next to you and say, find your place to serve. Do it. Tap the person next to you and say, find your place to serve. All right. Find your place. Let me say this. So next Monday, a week from tomorrow, we're taking our youth to camp. We have our preteen camp. We have our, we have our, our kids camp. We have enough sponsors. For whatever reason, this year, this is the first year we've ever had problems getting youth sponsors. We've got some. We need more. We need two more. And if we don't have them by next Monday, I don't know if the youth get to go. 
And some of you, you don't have any plans next week or you have vacation time that's backed up and you've got so many weeks you can't even use them all. Take a week off and go serve. And you'll, you'll be blessed by these kids. Come find me. Come find me after service. Come call the office tomorrow morning and say, all right, I'm in. I called off, got off work. I'm in. Uh, July 15th through the 19th. We need some sponsors, but that's what I'm talking about. Serve. Just get in there. Again, you're leveraging your life. I, you can work another week, but you're going to get paid either way. So let's, let's lever, leverage that week for the longer piece. Serve. Jesus said the highest calling of a believer is serving. In Matthew 20, 26 through 28, he says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. If you don't know Jesus, your entire life is all about finding Jesus. But once you find Jesus, your entire life should be leveraging that life to make a difference in other people's lives for Jesus. So let's do that. Let's do that. Here's number two. I want you to give. And I'm not talking about money. I'm not. I'm talking about whatever you have. If you have money, give it. If you have a smile, give it. If you have encouragement, give that. My mother is, is you, you've gotten a letter from my mother. I know. She writes, every, she writes everybody a letter. She's an encourager. Whatever, if you have a hug, don't do the full frontal hug. That's weird. Just do the side hug. Just give whatever you got, you give it, right? Just give whatever you have. I'm convinced that the value of life is not how much you achieve or you accumulate, it's how much of your life you give away. The Bible promises this, that whoever is generous and refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. That's Proverbs 11. I'm just gonna figure out a way to be a blessing, do acts of kindness, be a blessing to people like Landry was to me yesterday. He said, well, I don't have extra money. Do you have encouragement? Give that. Because I think there's gonna be a day where, where Jesus says, hey, I gave you those pearly whites, what'd you do with them? What'd you do with them? Come on, thank you. Thank you, Laurie. What'd you do with them pearly whites? Y'all are pitiful. Come on. <laughs> Smile. Smile. Hey, how you doing? Whatever you got, give it. Give it. Give it. And listen, if you don't have it, don't give it. God's never going to ask you to give something you don't have. But give it. So live your life serving. Be generous. And here's the last one. Share Jesus. Well, I don't know how to do that. Okay. Can you invite someone to church? That's a start. I want to tell you a story that I share in our next steps class. Um, but it's worth repeating. It's just such a cool story. Uh, when I was in college, I worked at Papacito's Cantina in uh, Austin on I-35. And there was a girl that I waited tables with named uh, Amy. And Amy was an atheist, pretty hardcore in her atheism. And her big thing against the church, her big beef against the church, she said, all they do is talk about money. And I'm like, you need to come to my church. You're watching televangelists or something. Just come to, I promise they never talk about money. You will love my church. She just wouldn't come. But anyway, I didn't really push my faith on her because she was so against it. But one night we're, we're cashing out. We had to, you know, claim our receipts and stuff, our, our uh, credit card statements and stuff. And I looked down and she had cut herself. She had self-harmed herself. And I knew this was my moment. So I pulled her to the side and I said, Amy, listen, I know you don't believe in God, and I do. And let's just say for a minute that you're right and that I'm wrong. That there's no God and that uh, we both die. I live my life for God. There's no God though. 
because you're right and I'm wrong. And we both die and what happens? And she said, worms eat our corpses. <laughs> That's morbid, but correct. And so then I said, let's say for a minute, just for a minute that I'm right and that you're wrong. That there is a God, that he loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. He took the penalty for you. And if you put your faith in him, you surrender your life to him, it's a better life on earth, John 10. And it's eternal life in heaven, John 3. But if you don't, you pay for your own sins. And now we die and there's a stark contrast with what happens to us. I said, is it worth coming one time to church? Just one time, which I knew was a massive ask because she was so against the church because all they talk about is money. Just one time. And she said, okay, one time. So I picked her up. I didn't think she would come. So I picked her up. And um, she looked nice. She had done her hair and she had a sundress on. And we get to church. And the whole time during the music, like I was just nervous. And she's very stoic, you know, just no emotion. I'm like, come on, God, come on, God. Do your thing, do your thing, do your thing, do your thing. And so we sit down. And the pastor, I'll never forget this. His name was Donnie Dixon. And he comes out and he, he opens the Bible and he goes, today, turn with me to Luke chapter six. We're talking about stewardship. <laughs> I wanted to crawl under my chair. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, the, I'm an atheist. I give up on you. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I was so mad. I'm like, either he's off or you're off. Somebody's off. Like, this is the worst message of all. The, this is the one week he talks about giving. Are you kidding me? I don't remember one word he said. I was so mad. I'm like, she's going to hell. Way to go. She's going to hell. Like, I was so mad. I just got <laughs> We get to the end of the sermon and he presented the gospel of Jesus. And he said, here's, here's what Jesus did for you. And he says, if you want to receive that message, I want you to stand up and come down to the front. And the first person to stand up and walk down was Amy. Golly, that was 20 years ago. I tell that story every week and it's still, it, it's, it was amazing. Um, and I remember just weeping like, a, I'm like, I'm sorry, you're the man. I was, I was like so mad at myself for doubting God that he would use the message she least likely wanted to hear to bring about her eternal salvation. I didn't do anything but just say, come check it out one time. Let's see. You share Jesus, you might change. And I promise you that was, let's see. It was 18 years ago, and I remember every aspect of that service except for what the pastor said because I was pretty mad during that time. But I remember the songs we sang. I remember the greeting time. Why? Because I was invested. I had somebody there that I was like, I just want to make a good impression on her. And Amy, the last time I checked, she's no longer on Facebook, but um, she's married. She has two kids. They all live in Temple, Texas, and are all faithfully following Jesus to this day. You just never know. Now, I could have said, no, I don't want to impose my beliefs on her. I mean, she lived her life. I'll live my life. Let's just go our own separate ways. I thought, what does it matter? Like, I'd rather her be mad at me here than mad at me here. And go, wow, I knew Reed followed Jesus. Why didn't he ever tell me about him? You've got to leverage your life for the longer peace. Here's what I love to do. I would love for us to uh, have a moment of invitation. And this is a time where you might be saying, Reed, I don't know that I got the first question right. I've kind of just counted my relationship with Christ with the things that I've done for Christ. But I realize now that's not getting me in. It's not by works. I can't boast about any of that stuff. 
I'm not getting to the second question because I didn't know the first question, but I want to surrender my life to him today. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want to pray for you in just a moment. So here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I do this because I don't want people peeking around. I, I want this to really between, be between you and God. The cameras aren't on you right now. Okay, this is just between you and the Lord. And I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. We're going to pray a prayer of salvation where today you can have that gift. You can get the first question right. But I want to know who I'm praying for. And so if that's you and you say, Pastor Reed, I want you to include me in that prayer. I want to know Jesus today for the first time. I want you to slip your hand up so I can know who I'm praying for. Awesome. I see you. Awesome. 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 Hands all over the building. I love it. All right, hands down. I want you to pray this with me. Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So I want you to say this. You can say this out loud. You can whisper this. Just mean it is the only real thing. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you came to earth to pay for my sins, that you died, you were buried, but you rose again. And you beat death and you beat hell and you give me the power to do the same by putting my faith in you today. Come into my life. I surrender it to you. Forgive me of all my sins, past, present, and future, and lead me from this day forward. Thank you for giving your life for me. I now give my life back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give a hand clap to all of those who put their faith in Jesus? There were a lot of them in the room. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it.